Do you ever wonder if you're worthy of God's love and forgiveness? Well, wonder no more. Matthew, Mark, and Luke declare plainly and clearly that the entire purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to call sinners to repentance, not those who think they were righteous. The implication being that all qualify for repentance as sinners in need of the forgiveness of sins. This is the good news that brings forth transformation. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When God was looking for followers, He didn't advertise on LinkedIn or Craigslist, nor did He choose those with the most impressive resumes. When God chooses, He looks for those who are fed up with their current lives and lifestyles, those who are looking for a spiritual makeover. And it's the simple truth of transformation that brings Pastor Xavier back to Luke chapter 5 for today's study. Let's listen. Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 27 to 32. The message is entitled, The Call of Matthew, which is described by three things here, verse 27 to 32. We have the decisive response to the words of Jesus in verse 27 and 28. Second, we have the impressive desire for others to hear the words of Jesus in verse 29 through 30. And then thirdly, the incisive rebuke by the words of Jesus in 31 and 32. The decisive response to the words of Jesus comes first. The parallel passages are found in Matthew 9, 9 through 13, and Mark 2, 13 through 17. Now, notice in 27, the occupation of Matthew at the time of his call was one that was most detested. The departure of Jesus from the paralytic brought him face to face with Matthew. It says he went out and he saw a tax collector. He also was known as a publican, who um, were hated. They were despised by all, but most of all by the Jews being under tribute to Rome. These tax collectors would be those who would go and collect the taxes for the Roman government. Now the set amount would be paid to Rome. Anything else taken would be the tax collectors. It led to great dishonesty and corruption. To make it worse, he knew the taxes collected would go to the treasury of Herod Antipas, a very corrupt Roman man. Tax collectors or publicans were considered the worst of all men. They were categorized with prostitutes and sinners, not permitted to testify as a witness being known as perpetual liars. They were the lowest of men, notoriously dishonest, fleecing not only their own countrymen, but the government that they worked for. The thought of a Jew collecting taxes was considered to be the greatest unpatriotic thing one could do. A traitor of his people, embarred from the synagogue, such was Matthew. The tax collector spared no one. 
not the widow, the orphan, the poor, the oppressed. Consequently, they became very wealthy. This was Matthew. Now, the tax collector Matthew had a second name. It says he was named Levi. Levi means joined and appears three other times in Mark 2.14 and 15 and in Luke 5.29. Remember that Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. Peter, James, and John and others were known by two names. So Levi and Matthew are his two. Matthew is the name he is most known by. It means gift of Yahweh. Notice the decision of Matthew was one of full commitment. The end of 27 and 28. Jesus looking on Levi invited him personally to be his disciple. And he said to him, follow me. Jesus must have seen Matthew many times in his tax office. And I am sure their eyes must have met often. Jesus must have brought such conviction to Matthew, as well as feeling of compatibility with Jesus to an extent. Conviction being a Jew, a traitor to his people, knowing that Scripture condemned him. Compatibility for both Jesus and Matthew were hated by the Pharisees and the scribes. Both outcasts of society to an extent, but on opposite sides. Notice Jesus spoke two simple words. That changed his life forever. Follow me. Two words. The response of Matthew was immediate. To follow me. So he left all. Rose up. And he followed him. Verse 28. To follow him meant to believe. Jesus was the son of God. And the savior of the world. To follow him meant he was part of the kingdom of God based on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, not wealth, power, or self as before. Matthew, the tax collector, is in the Bible to encourage those who have gone so far down into the pit to give them hope in Jesus. Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern of those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So the words of Paul are that he is a perfect example of such people that God can save. The decisive response of Matthew to the words of Jesus was without hesitation. Follow me. He went. Next comes the impressive desire for others to hear the words of Jesus, 29 and 30. In 29, Matthew, the tax collector, threw a feast for Jesus. The feast was in honor of Jesus. Then Levi gave him a great feast. Levi, or Matthew, whichever, as a tax collector, had been around the block, so to speak. He had been exposed to many social levels of people in his line of work. He worked for the IRS. Same thing. Matthew, as a tax collector, had been exposed to and was part of the corruption of his day. 
He was a byproduct of it. The corrupt power of Rome. Matthew had never met someone like Jesus. This was the exception. He had met all kinds of people, but not like Jesus. Jesus had all the power and authority that men longed and sought for, but he didn't use it for himself. Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Calling all to repentance for the forgiveness of sins to receive eternal life. Jesus, for this very reason and more, was the guest of honor at the Feast of Levi. Because his life had been transformed by Jesus Christ. Simple. So Matthew threw in honor of Jesus, not just a feast, but a great feast. The great feast was to celebrate the greatness of Jesus, for which he was abandoning all to follow him. Notice the reason Matthew invited the people was so that they be exposed to Jesus and his words in order to be saved, just like Matthew. It says, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. Notice in verse 30, Matthew and the other disciples were confronted by the religious leaders. Luke tells us that their scribes and Pharisees complained, which means to grumble against the disciples. And they asked them, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 30 says, None of these religious persons among the scribes and Pharisees or even the Sadducees would ever be seen talking, let alone sitting and eating and drinking with any of this kind. They were bothered by it. They, were, they, they, they couldn't correlate the two. They had separated themselves so much from being part of the fallen human race that they, it just didn't connect. Self-righteousness. In other words, how can he bring himself to associate and be one with them? Every one of us should be known after the same identity as Jesus. One who interacts with sinners and ministers the gospel to them as an ambassador for Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.20. First Peter 3.15 says we're to give an answer to every man for the reason, the hope that lies in it with meekness and fear. Now, you share with sinners whoever God brings to you, but you don't partake with them as one in their activities, their lifestyle. Be careful of that, though, okay? I guarantee you that Jesus at this feast was not partaking any sin. He was light. And sometimes people will invite you, and, and we are to go and be a light. And if things get a little out of hand, then we just bow out graciously. Say, you know, I've got to be going. Thank you for inviting me. You don't say, you pagans. I knew I shouldn't have come. One who calls them to repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. You dare not preach the gospel and not ask people they've done to repent. You have to ask that. Jesus was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners in Matthew eleven nineteen and Luke seven thirty four. The impressive desire of Matthew for others to hear the words of Jesus was for salvation. Notice thirdly in verse thirty one and thirty two, 
You have the incisive rebuke by the words of Jesus. In 31, Jesus came to the defense of his disciples, confronting the scribes and the Pharisees. The words of Jesus were penetrating. Listen to them. Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. The response was a sharp rebuke to the religious men of his day, the leaders of the people. They first failed to see their own need of the physician, Jesus, having the sickness of sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. They also failed to rejoice at the forgiveness of their sins and cleansing. They couldn't see how anybody could even have anything to do with them, let alone forgive them. The Gospel of Matthew adds something important at this point. Matthew 9, 12, the beginning says, Matthew tells us the same thing, but he adds, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, Jesus is always defending his children. He's listening to what's going on. It's much better for Jesus to defend you than for you to try to defend yourself. <laughs> he does a better job. Matthew also tells us Jesus instructed them by sending them back to the scriptures. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice in Matthew 9.13. Matthew is the only one who points out this passage of Hosea. Hosea 6.6. 6. God did not, nor does he today, delight in sacrifices. They are a stench to him if our heart is not right with God. God delights in being merciful, having pity and compassion on those who cannot help themselves. The scripture is clear there in Matthew and Hosea. God does not delight in judgment. He calls it a strange work in the old King James an unusual act in the new King James, but he delights in forgiveness, Isaiah 28, 21. God would much rather forgive than to bring judgment on any person. When he judges, it's a strange, unusual way. He's holy. He's loving. He created us. He would rather forgive us. Look at 31, Jesus came to save the lost human race, including the scribes and the Pharisees. The words of Jesus were to pardon sinners who saw their need of salvation. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The reference to righteous in this context means those who think themselves good and worthy enough to not need the forgiveness of God. Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. The reference to sinners means those devoted to sin, slaves to sin, those who miss the mark, the entire human race. This is acquired by our own natural parents, through them, and through Adam, Romans 5.12. Dead in trespasses and sins, children are wrath by nature. Children of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. The only solution for sinful man is repentance. The word repentance means a change of mind with a change of life. It's inconsistent to say you're a Christian when you're the same as you were before. Inconsistent. 
The transformation comes through the new birth by the preaching of the gospel through the conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit. Not by the preacher. Not by anybody else, but by the Holy Spirit. You experience that. I experience that. You have to make a decision. The decision is personal. No one can make it for you. As we've said often in many others, God has no grandchildren, only sons and daughters. The two other synoptic gospels confirm these words. Matthew 9.13 says, For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Mark also, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew, Mark, and Luke declare plainly and clearly that the entire purpose of Jesus coming to the earth and the house of Levi was to call sinners to repentance, not those who think and thought they were righteous. The implication being that all qualify for repentance as sinners in need of the forgiveness of sins. The declaration being that there is no one righteous enough to have no need of repenting from sin. This is the good news. Only the Holy Spirit can make this real. No one else. It's called illumination, conviction. That brings forth transformation. Livingston planned to go to China, but God led him to Africa to be its missionary statesman general and explorer. Alexander McKay prepared for work in Madagascar, but was directed to Uganda to aid in founding one of the most remarkable missions in the world. Carey purposed to go to the South Seas, but was guided divinely to India to give the Bible in their native tongue to the teeming millions. God has a purpose for your life. You're to seek Him for it. He will direct and guide you. What a rebuke to those within the church today who think they um, can integrate humanistic psychology to improve the Word of God. Focusing more on understanding and emotional reasoning rather than repentance and dying to self. It undermines the Word of God. It contradicts the Word of God. Paul gives us a little counsel in Colossians 2.8. He says, Beware lest any man cheat you or anyone cheat you through philosophy, phileo, sophia, the love of wisdom, and empty deceit according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The ABCs, the way the world does things. You integrate. You just you embrace. Oh, yeah, we'll grab a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and call it Christian. And we can make money at the same time. What a rebuke to those of the seeker-friendly churches who attempt to draw people by a non-threatening gospel that is no gospel at all, void of um, true repentance and make disciples of themselves instead of Christ as they are worshipped by their followers. Teaching corporate and business principles and humanistic self-helps. Writing books on the cultural trends of medical models or diets, motivating people through carnal methods rather than the Word of God. Twisting the scriptures to teach their own agenda and vision, using the Word completely out of context, often, purposely, by design, 
Second Timothy 4, 2 through 4 says, Preach the word, be ready and season, and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. What a rebuke to the emergent church who is redefining the church and Christianity by their postmodern view, denying repentance to a great extent, teaching that no objective truth can be learned from the Word of God. So we should, rather than study the Word of God, just dialogue and have talks and join in love and community, not doctrine, teaching the pastors, elders, and Christians can drink and Elders can have their beer bashes together. They proved to be... See, the Corinthian church was emergent. They believed that too. And Paul says, some of you God has made sick and some of you God has killed. Teaching that we need to be real and more real like the people. Those in the world, of course. So pastors um, use foul language from the pulpit. They will be very descriptive, very vulgar in the description of their past life or different things. You can go on their websites and listen to them. Your pastor used to have a potty mouth. And when I came to the Lord, I've never cussed over the pulpit. When you get born again, God cleans your mouth up because he cleans your heart and mind up. Okay? When you have pastors doing such things from the pulpit and encouraging and teaching that, what is going on in the pew? Where's the holiness? Where's the transformation? Where's the light? Where's the salt? Ephesians 4, 6-12 through 12 will help us here. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He points to the world. Then he says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now he talks to the Christian. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We share the gospel with whoever God brings, but we don't become one with their sin or like them. We don't talk like them. We don't walk like them. We're different. And hopefully we're walking in humility and God's love. They can see that, but whether they see it or not, it makes no difference. Very dangerous in the church today. The greatest attack against Christianity is not the world. It's inside the church today. The incisive rebuke of the Pharisees by the words of Jesus was about man's need of regeneration. And so the call of Matthew, how instructive to each of us, described by the decisive response of Matthew to the words of Jesus, it was without hesitation. The impressive desire of Matthew for others to hear the words of Jesus was for salvation. 
and the incisive rebuke of the Pharisees by the words of Jesus was about man's need of regeneration. That God give us wisdom as he calls us to serve him and abandon all. Man is in need of God. And according to today's insight into the life of Matthew, Pastor Xavier Reese shows us that God is all we need. By the way, today's message titled, The Call of Matthew, is available on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, The Call of Matthew, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 